Hello, my name is Josh Roan, and I'm lead pastor here at Zion Church, a United Methodist congregation in York, Pennsylvania. We're a church with a physical location, but we also have an online presence each and every weekend. But today, I want to thank you for joining us for our podcast, something that's a little bit different rather than the songs and the hymns and all those different things that are part of our regular weekend experiences. This is just the main scripture and the sermon, an opportunity for us maybe to hear again God's word, which we tuned into this weekend, or maybe an opportunity to hear it afresh and anew. So I would encourage you as the week begins to listen in and to lean in to what God is saying to you. Thank you for joining us. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Again, that's John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Hear now the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, well, we will go with you. They went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught absolutely nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had been raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter felt hurt because he said to, this, said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray.
Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. And Lord, we bow in humble submission, placing our faith and trust in you. Lord, we thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for this season of resurrection that we find ourselves in, for the promise of resurrection for those who believe. But Father, while we wait for that day to come, Lord, help us not to forget that you have things right here, right now, that you want us to be doing. You have things that you want us to do to further your kingdom, people that you want us to share your love with, people that you want us to speak to and give that testimony to. So, Father, today we pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would renew our faith, and that, Lord, you would renew our commitment to serve you each and every day. We ask now, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see, that you would unclog our ears, that we might hear, and that you would give us lives that are receptive and ready to go and live out the truth to the honor and glory of your name. So now, Lord, I ask over these next few moments that you would speak through me or that you'd speak in spite of me. But I pray that regardless, your word would go forth and that we, your people, would be changed because of it. It is in Christ's name and it's to his honor and glory we ask all these things. And together, God's people said, amen. Well, prior to the events of this morning's scripture passage, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples on two occasions. The first instance occurred on the evening of the resurrection, and he appeared to the disciples, and he gave to them peace, and he shared with them the Holy Spirit. But there was one disciple who wasn't there. His name was Thomas, and he was not there for that first revelation, that first experience of the resurrected Christ. And although he was informed by his friends, although the other disciples were more than happy to share that news with him, he did not believe, he doubted, and he ended up with a nickname, Doubting Thomas. And that led to the second post-resurrection encounter, the second post-resurrection experience when Jesus appears to Thomas and he appears along with him to the other disciples. And in that moment, he renews faith where doubt had begun to crep in, he brings belief where skepticism had started to prevail. But on the heels of those post-resurrection encounters, Jesus wasn't done. He told the disciples that he still had many things for them to do, and he commanded that they go to Galilee to enter into this next season of ministry. And so that's where they go. They head off to Galilee. And that's where this morning's passage picks up. It picks up during this Galilean phase of Jesus' post-resurrection ministry. It begins with a rather fascinating and a rather wonderful story, if I do say so. It begins with Peter, this bold, brash, impetuous man who many of us have come to love throughout the Gospels. And Peter's there, he's along with six other disciples, and he boldly declares, you know what, friends, I am going to go fishing. Seemingly on a whim, Peter just says, I'm going to go fishing. Now, As I was reading that this week, I thought, oh my goodness, Peter has just seen the risen Lord. He has just seen the resurrected Savior. He has just been privy to one of the most miraculous things that has ever happened. One of the most life-changing things that anyone could ever behold. And now he wants to do what? He wants to go fishing? I mean... It seems so mundane, so ordinary, so commonplace. You have just seen the most miraculous thing in all the world, Peter, and you want to go fish. 
But then I got to thinking, well, why wouldn't Peter want to go fishing? Why shouldn't he have that desire? Why shouldn't he want to engage in an ordinary and common activity? I mean, after all, Peter and the other disciples are there in Galilee because Jesus has told them to be there. And he and the others are in this place, in this moment, at this very time, because Jesus had told them to be there. But that's all Jesus had told them at this point. And at this moment, Jesus isn't yet with them. He's not in that place with them at that time. And so Peter and the others, they have time on their hands. They have time, it seems, that they need to waste. Because they're there and they have to wait for Jesus. They have to wait for further instructions. They have to wait for Jesus' directions regarding what they are to do next. And so here they are. They're in Galilee. Many of them were fishermen in their previous life. So what better way to pass some time? What better way to wait for Jesus than by going fishing? And so fishing is exactly what they do. Peter climbs aboard the boat. Six other disciples say, we will go with you as well, Peter. And they climb aboard. And they set out to sea. And according to verse 3 of John chapter 21, we're told that they fished all night. Now, many times we just kind of skip over that and we move on to the next exciting thing, the next miraculous thing that happens. But John includes that detail, I think, for an important reason. Because by adding this detail, he lets us know that Peter and these other six, again, many of whom had been fishermen in a previous life, they were skilled fishermen. They had plied, this was their trade, this was how they put food on their table, this is how they provided for their families. Many of them had been fishing from the time that they were small children. But here they are, trained fishermen, skillful fishermen. They were unable to catch fish. And not only were they not able to catch fish, but they were unable to catch fish during some of the most prime fishing hours that there were. It's almost as if John has said very clearly, here you have a bunch of experienced fishermen who fish during the peak hours. If you would expect success, this would have been the ultimate setup for success. But they were utterly unsuccessful. They did not catch so much as a single fish. Or to put it another way, Peter and the others are attempting to waste time, but even at that, they have been unsuccessful. Now, of course, Peter and the disciples aren't the only ones who have time to waste, are they? Peter and the others aren't the only ones who, from time to time, find themselves waiting in life. Now, many times, we're a lot like Peter and those disciples. Many times we're a lot like Peter and those disciples because we too have to wait. I mean, as human beings, we do a lot of waiting. I mean, let's be honest about it. As children, I remember we would wait for summer break. Those last few weeks of school were often the longest, it seemed, because we wanted to be anywhere and everywhere but in that classroom. We wanted to be out playing on the baseball diamond or kicking the ball around in the field. We wanted to waste the days of summer by riding our bikes and sleeping in late, not by opening school books anymore. As children, we often waited as well. Waited for important milestones and events, that ability to move from elementary school to middle school, from middle school to intermediate school, from intermediate school to high school. 
we long for and look forward, but it seemed like there was so much waiting. And then as seniors in high school, we'd finally wait for that day when we can walk across the stage and receive our diplomas as graduates. Because we knew that once we got that diploma, the waiting was over. We could go and we could do whatever we wanted. We could become whomever we wanted to be. We could go off to college or trade school. We could join the military or start our careers in the workforce. But then, but then those times of waiting that we experienced as children and teenagers, they didn't come to an end when we became adults. No, there was something else that we had to wait for. We waited for something better, something more important, something more meaningful sometimes to come along. And as adults, we still find ourselves waiting, don't we? We still find ourselves wasting time sometimes as we wait. As we wait for a significant other. And maybe some of you are in that season where you're seeking out and you're searching for that significant other, but you swipe right and you go on dates and they don't ever seem to pan out or turn into anything. So you just wait and you wait and you wait. And maybe you feel like this is wasted time. Or maybe you're waiting for that career that you always hoped of and dreamed for. That one that you spent all those times getting up early and going into your dead-end job, putting in extra hours, just waiting for that promotion. Or maybe you're waiting for that career that you studied so long to start up and start to accelerate. Maybe you're waiting for that promotion. Or maybe it's waiting in the doctor's office. You sit there and you thumb through the magazine or maybe scroll through the Facebook feed, answer text messages, respond to emails, just wasting time as you wait. Wait to see the doctor, wait to get the lab work done, wait to get the results back. See what John describes in those first three verses of John chapter 21 is something that all of us can relate to. It's not something that's unique to Peter and these six disciples. No, it's part of being human. John depicts rather accurately something that we can all relate to, wasting time as we wait for something much better or someone much greater or something much more exciting to come along. That's why I love what happens next. That's why I absolutely love what happens next because Peter and the other disciples have been out on this boat. They fished all night. They fished during the prime hours and they have failed. And so they're defeated. They're defeated because they weren't able to catch a fish. They're deflated because they are following the resurrected Savior and here they are waiting when they could be doing something. Surely there's something much bigger in store that God has for them than this. So they're defeated, they're deflated, and Scripture tells us they're ready to pack it in. They're getting ready to bring the nets back aboard the boat and bring the boat ashore because they failed. It's been a bust. But it's then, Scripture says, that a voice calls out to them. A voice cries out from shore. Now John tells us who the voice belongs to. He tells us that it's the voice of Jesus, but the thing is, we know it's the voice of Jesus, but Peter and the others don't. They're not privy to that information. They don't recognize this voice. They don't know who it belongs to. But they hear this voice, and this voice asks them a question that probably added to their frustration. Children, you have no fish, have you? 
here we are, experienced fisherman Peter has to be thinking. I mean, you know Peter's bold, he's prideful. And here he hasn't caught fish, the others haven't caught any fish, and now someone's calling him out for their lack of success. You don't have any fish, do you? I'm sure the group exchanged some glances and then they became honest about how they had failed. It's then that that voice calls to him again. It doesn't allow them to wallow in that defeat. It doesn't allow them to remain in that moment ready just to pack it in. You know, this voice calls out to them again and says, cast your net on the right side of the boat and then you'll find some. Cast your net on the right side, and then you'll find some. And again, I don't know what you were thinking as I was reading this morning, but as I was reading this scripture this week, the thought that came to mind is this. I mean, really? Really? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. Put yourself in the shoes of these other disciples that are there with him. They're experienced at this. They've done this. If anyone's got this handled, they do. And here is a voice of someone that they don't know calling from shore, saying, throw the net on the other side. How could this stranger know that? How could this person possibly know that there are going to be fish if they do that? For whatever reason, For whatever reason, they listen to that voice. They heed the advice that's given. They submit to the directions that they're given. And the result is a banner haul. They catch more fish than they could have possibly imagined. They catch more fish than they can actually haul over the side of the boat. And it's then that John, whom Scripture refers to as the beloved disciple, it's then that the wheels begin to turn. It's then that things begin to make sense. It's then that the light bulb comes on. He knows who this is. This isn't a stranger. This isn't someone they don't know. This isn't just any old buddy calling out from shore. No, it is the Lord. And he shouts it out. And without delay, as soon as John identifies this voice as belonging to Jesus, Peter puts his clothes on. (laughs) Why he's fishing naked, I don't know. Wouldn't a footnote be very good there? I mean, come on, John, why that? But anyways, he puts his clothes on. But the interesting part is, he is so excited that the risen Lord is there that he jumped out of that boat and he is going to swim to shore and he is going to beat that boat there. Nothing's going to stop him. Nothing's going to keep him from the risen Christ. Nothing is going to keep him from celebrating this moment and what God has done. And then just when you think the story's over, it continues. John says the disciples come ashore. They find fish roasting over a charcoal fire. There's bread. Where McDonald's got the idea for the filet of fish sandwich. Not really. That's not scriptural. That was just a test to see if you were awake. But I say it gets even more interesting because it does. 
It gets even more interesting because breakfast has already been prepared. Jesus has prepared breakfast before they even got back to shore. Yet Jesus extends grace. He extends grace to the disciples and he invites them to participate in this moment with him. Because while there are already fish that have been prepared, while there's already bread that's there, he says, bring over some of what you've caught. Let's add it to the hall. Let's have a breakfast that we've all brought something to. Think about that. Earlier, prior to his death, Jesus has just warned his disciples that apart from him, they can do nothing. In fact, he said that their relationship was like that of a vine and a branches. And if the branches remain connected to the vine, then they're going to bear fruit. But if the branches get disconnected from the vine, if they get separated for any reason, then the branches will not produce fruit. And so too it is with his disciples. Apart from Jesus, they're not able to do anything, but abiding in him, they can and they will produce fruit. Think about what's just happened. The disciples were in a time of waiting. And in that time of waiting, they resorted to what they knew. They resorted to what they were good at. They resorted to those things that they had been trained to do. They got aboard a boat and they went fishing. But apart from the enabling spirit of Jesus, apart from the enabling presence of Jesus, they were unable to do anything. They couldn't catch a fish. But then when Jesus appeared, when Jesus appeared, as the sermon title says this morning, everything changes. This period of waiting, this time where that they were wasting, it gets redeemed. They cast the net on the other side and they get a banner haul. When these ordinary human beings submitted to the voice of Christ, everything changes. Friends, today this story reminds us that with God there is no wasted time. In fact, enabled by God's presence, enabled by the Spirit of God, as we listen to God's voice, as we wait upon God's timing, even the most ordinary, even the most mundane and commonplace aspects of our lives can become the gateway through which God does extraordinarily more than we could ever hope or imagine. So if you find yourselves in a season of waiting, remember that it's not wasted time. It's not wasted at all because Jesus joins us right where we are. He walks with us before we can drive. He works with us while we're down at the bottom. He sits with us while we're waiting for that phone to ring. He loves us unconditionally right here, right now in the present. And he's ready to put this present moment to good use. Shaping us, changing us, transforming us, preparing us for what he has to come. He brings meaning and purpose even to these moments. These moments that oftentimes we want to write off and wish away. But think about it. While we wait, it's then that Jesus often teaches us how to trust. When we struggle, it's often in those moments where we don't know what to do or how to pray that our prayer life reaches new depths. 
Today, we're reminded that those times that we would often deem as wasted or meaningless are often the very moments that God uses to accomplish His plans, His purpose, His work in us and ultimately through us. And we never forget that if we are in Christ, there is no wasted time that God can and He does often redeem even the most ordinary, even the most mundane times of life. And he does so to the honor and glory of his name. But we join with Peter in saying, it is the Lord. And we praise his holy name. Amen and amen.